begin with one minute of silence, and then explore whatever arises. So please join us for this one minute of doing nothing. How was your experience today? Something I noticed was that it seems like in a shorter period of silence, so we just sat for two minutes, um, I noticed that relative to a longer period of sitting of what you might call meditation, in the two minute shorter period of time, my mind seems to have less of a tendency to move into wandering thoughts about planning uh, or the rest of the day or like these typical things that seem to be more active for me in a longer period of sitting uh, or a longer meditation. I was just wondering why that is because that's I've noticed it be slightly frustrating for me a little bit recently because I've attempted to sort of galvanize my meditation practice and return to something very simple of of very intentionally focusing on just the breath and like really trying to diligently return to just the breath count mm. to 10 get distracted come back to one just like really focus in because along with this book i've been reading called the mind illuminated um just been sort of trying to go through that very simple practice but i've noticed how my mind is is just it's so wandering to all these different things uh but in that short period of time i noticed that it really wasn't mm -hmm. i wonder if it's like my mind a part of my mind knows on some level that i only have a short period of time yeah to sit versus my mind knowing that i have like 30 minutes for example to sit so it's not that important uh to really do it right now i have more time to do it so now I can do whatever I quote unquote want to. Um, yeah. I don't know what you think about that. Was that was kind of uh, the forefront of my two minute experience there? Mm. No, I think I, I have a, a very similar same experience, and uh, you know, uh, I think I was having a similar experience even today in that two minute silence where I was feeling that 
uh, when we sit for longer uh, durations, uh, sometimes we get, I, I would start getting agitated, you know, okay, it's a long meditation. One hour is like, you know, I should, I think maybe end in 30 minutes or something. But when I did this two minute thing, I was like, oh, you know, we should have had more of this in these two minutes or <clears throat> maybe we could extend for five minutes. So I think there is something uh, relative here in that sense where, uh, you know, you, it's like these two minutes become a gift where you don't want to let go of this opportunity of diverting, of, you know, being focused and being uh, connected to, to this moment. Uh, so for me, it's that. And uh, what you said was, I think, also relates to the practice of focus in the sense that I think what I feel is that <clears throat> it does take a certain amount of force of will to come to this moment because it's like you know the subconscious mind it is like ready with those thousands of thoughts to bombard you with those thoughts but you kind of practice force of will to uh, to not let that happen and to not get carried away by those thoughts so you know as you said you would bring your focus to your breath <coughs> breath or something or you know some object or you would just kind of use that force of will to like, I don't know how you do that, but I do that, that I would use that force of will to, you know, to um, focus my mind on a particular thing for, so when, when it is two minutes, as you said, you know, it becomes easier because you know that, you know, it's just two minutes. We just have to do this for two minutes, but if it is for like half an hour, then you are like, you try to do that for two minutes then three minutes. <coughs> then your mind diverts and then you come back again. And so, you know, it. I think there is some relativity there. Yeah. Uh, just making me think that when it's two minutes, you're maybe on some level, you're more aware of how short of a time that you have. So then there's some increased internal motivation yeah. or will, like you said, to mm. actually just be here. Versus yeah. when we have a sense that we have more time, there's maybe yeah. less less of that will uh, yeah. to really be here. It just, it just made me think of like the awareness of a life. Um, yeah. If I was, if I knew I was going, like the example, if I knew I was going to die tomorrow, so yeah. much of the wandering thoughts and cares and stresses and worries would immediately vanish, and I would, you know, do everything that the deepest part of me wants to do before I die, I would try to do as much of it as possible, tell people how I feel, uh, you know, to shed all of the stuff that doesn't matter as much as I could, because I realize on a very real level uh, how little time I have left versus, you know, at this point, it's still on some level feels like I'm going to live forever. So there's not that much pressure to do all these things that I most deeply want to do. I can do it tomorrow uh, or I can do it next year or the next year. Um, but maybe I'll increasingly feel that pressure yeah. as time goes on. Or maybe if I have like what can be called a boundary experience where I almost die or I have someone close to me die, mm -hmm. that might shock me into an awareness of that. But then if I probably, if I'm not careful, I would quickly fall back into uh, ignorance of the fact that this is actually really fleeting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
it's beautiful uh, you know so uh, what what uh, i'm taking out of this is that would would then it would be right to say that uh, if we have like if we know we have less time let's say if we know we are going to you know we are we just have <clears throat> we just have like one or two days to live then does that mean that i will become more mindful would you say that i would guess so yes mm-hmm. that's interesting actually i think i will start living my life more fully you know because i know that it it will not be there uh, in in just two days time so i would appreciate mm, the food that i eat more i would appreciate nature mm-hmm. more or the sight of the relationships mm-hmm. uh seeing the moon or hearing certain sounds or taking yeah. a shower or i would appreciate all this stuff because i would realize how few opportunities i have left to experience those things yeah yeah and that's a beautiful thought you know i was just listening to a song last night and although you know this song was in <coughs> like in urdu language because it's a pakistani song the meaning of that song was that you know when uh, when death will come to us what we will remember and what we won't remember so you know you, uh, the uh, the like the poet was talking about that in the song and he said that we won't remember you know our belief systems we won't remember our culture our you know uh, what we believe in or uh, basically what our ideology is or you know what what rules should we follow and what rules shouldn't we follow what we will remember is those moments where we lived life fully and where we listen to our, when we listen to our heart so that's what we would remember those moments when we just listen to our heart and we lived life fully and we just did what we want to do and you know uh, i think i was also reading a research about people who die what's their biggest regret and i think <coughs> it is basically those moments and what do they remember basically the most and it is those moments where they kind of lived fully and you know just d- did what they would like to do from their deepest of their heart so just imagine if if we start i'm thinking if we just start living life like that then i think that that's beautiful we bring beauty to our lives that way in the context of that song it just makes me think of the language of the personality and the soul or it mm. could be any kind of language but that's one way of sort of dichotomy and mm. that in that case we would forget the personality and remember the soul yeah. uh, or like we would vanish all those layers of stuff that is built up on top of something that's just here and is most pure and has come out in little moments of like mm. re- revealing mm. my heart or just being really present with something or someone that those would be the things that i remember that are underneath maybe the l- level or layer of my personality my belief systems the stuff that uh generally is so important to me all that might just drop yeah so it will be like a uh ego death before the actual death mm. <laughs> right Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm. which is maybe what like we all or i don't know about we all but some of us really hope for or what 
like mm. this path of spirituality or meditation yeah. seems to sort of be after is is quote unquote achieving that ego death so I can die to myself before I actually die so I can really be alive in the time that I have to be alive yeah yeah beautiful I was just uh, you know this question was coming to my mind right now <clears throat> that uh, and I was just thinking about <clears throat> you know I'm glad we are talking about this because <clears throat> excuse me I was just thinking about this yesterday you know because uh, I had to do a recording and I couldn't do that do that because I felt like just you know uh, reading something and I was like oh my god I was getting this a bit of stress like I'm not recording and I need to complete this you know by this date and and what I'm doing is I'm just reading this book right now and you know I'm basically just kind of enjoying myself and not worried about you know doing something or you know creating something or should I do that should I not do that you know it can maybe again those fears would come up that you know if I if I don't produce if I don't you know create these meditations and recordings then my work will be affected and all those things <clears throat> but also at the same time my heart was saying something else so uh, what I want to ask you is what do you think is it a good idea to just follow your heart all the time or you need to do things at times which you don't feel like doing hmm. that's a good really good question mm-hmm. too because there's maybe something to distinguish there also because maybe distinguishing if that is my heart or if that's subtly my personality uh mm. or there's like a it's somehow a protection uh from releasing my heart or my soul but it feels like that's me and that's what i really want to do is maybe mm. to just read in this moment um like i'm mm. thinking of i'm working on writing this book and mm. just before our, our call i was just thinking about this feels like the hardest thing that i've ever done um <laughs> and maybe it's also because there's nobody telling me to do it and i don't have any particular expectations but it just mm. feels like the sort of the deepest thing that i could be doing but i so frequently find myself resisting it or wanting to do something else or maybe read uh frequently reading is something that i find myself wanting to do uh but i i came across kind of a cool quote related to that from uh robert persig he wrote zen and the art of motorcycle maintenance he said reading is the enemy of writing um <laughs> which really resonated with me like because it can very subtly feel like that's good and that's sort of developing the momentum of mm. writing but it might actually be directly sort of taking up energy that otherwise could be given to uh yeah. writing um yeah. mm. Mm. So, but it's hard maybe to distinguish like what is right in any moment and maybe that's like the art form of life uh yeah do i do i really want to read right now do i deeply want to complete this meditation or write in the book but it's like it's requiring a certain energy uh yeah. 
that I don't want to exert in this moment. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if any of that makes sense, but no, what, what, what do you think about that? I totally, I, yeah, I, I can totally relate. Uh, uh, because, you know, what you said about reading and writing, <clears throat> sometimes we can also bring our awareness to uh, the fact that, you know, reading is just getting uh, information from outside. And I was, you know, kind of contemplating about this just uh, a few days ago, but I was thinking, okay, when I'm reading, because I was even questioning my habit of reading that, okay, why am I, you know, reading these days? And it's just these days that I'm reading very much. Uh, usually I don't do that much. You know, I would, I'm not a very avid reader. I would say, I would just like maybe read a book a month and that's enough. So, but this time I found myself reading a lot and I was asking, you know, why am I doing this? So there is, I found that there is this desire to have information. So, but then I was also questioning, am I not trusting my inner information? And am I giving more value to this outer information that's coming from outside? So it brought me into, into a great insight where I realized that you know, sometimes it is also okay to <clears throat> let go of that reading because we sometimes don't, we value the author's information more than our own inner wisdom. And if we, you know, for, I think maybe if you can apply this to your writing, if you feel like that, maybe when you are writing your information, that's coming, that's coming more from your soul, you know, because you are not having that information in flow from outside that it's like channeling that information onto the paper from which is coming from your deepest wisdom. Totally. Mm. You're having to, it takes that there's like a a receiving energy and then there's a creating energy Yeah, and that creating energy seems totally different from the receiving yeah kind uh and with writing at least for me it's like i'm constantly having and it it comes back maybe to language too Mm -hmm. i have this interesting relationship with language and we've talked about language quite a bit um because so much of my perspective anyways is that there's there's sort of capital t truth that cannot be put into words and yeah. then we attempt to use words to symbolize and represent that truth and try to get as close as we can, but we never can actually have it uh, yeah. in any sort of tangible or external form. And mm-hmm. so in writing, I have a certain like message that I am trying to get across, mm-hmm. but I, I'm sort of strangled in a sense in that I never can actually like, get that across. I'm constantly having to decide this is what I'm going to say, even though it's not like I have this prepackaged thing that, okay, I just, I have this thing. So I'm going to just go through and write all the points of it and um, deliver it to you because there is no prepackaged thing. There's a, there's some sort of basic like soul based thing, which I have a sort of skeleton of what it means conceptually and intellectually. But then as I'm writing, I have to just choose like in the moment, Mm does this feel right? And knowing that it's never going to be capital R right. Like there isn't a right thing. So I'm just, uh, so it, it takes quite a bit of some sort of energy 
to yeah. be continually doing that or to create something that has like a, a more narrative mm. form and like it has to sort of make sense as a collection of mm. things uh, versus like interaction like this where it just sort of exists and uh, it doesn't need to make sense in any sort of broader scheme of things it's just sort of happening and flowing which is also what I hope for the book itself that it just it's sort of all contained maybe in a paragraph but it hopefully makes some sense as you make your way through it yeah uh, but yeah. It's, it's challenging it is it thing. is and you know uh what I although I'm not a writer I've just written like you know maybe a few blogs or something sometimes I write uh, but I'm not a, like uh, a writer as such so, but what I experienced in my writing was that, <clears throat> you know, there are two kinds of uh, situations I am in when I'm writing. One is when I'm trying to put things into words. And that is where I find my rational mind getting involved a lot, you know, kind of trying to put in words what I'm trying to explain. That becomes challenging. But automatically, <clears throat> when I feel more connected, there would come. Uh, you know, times when it just kind of flows as if it's not my words. And it, it, you know, it also, it's interesting that it becomes very poetic. And, you know, this is what I feel about a lot of poets that the words are kind of not coming from the rational mind, but they are, they are very kind of, they're flowing from somewhere else. And it is as if those someone else is speaking and you are just putting it onto paper. Mm -hmm. uh, it becomes very poetic in that sense. And I think that's how a lot of poets and, you know, including Rumi, uh, Rabindranath Tagore, they have kind of channeled these uh, uh, poems. I was just listening to, a, you know, Osho was talking about an experience with uh, Rabindranath Tagore. So he's an Indian poet, uh, you know, a very wonderful poet. Mm -hmm. and he, he's known for his poetry. So Rabindranath Tagore once like wrote a poem and it was like, kind of very beautiful. However, there were, you know, he, <clears throat> so that poem was to be like presented at some international conference. I think it was UN or some other conference. And uh, he, like he, there was this person who was a kind of an editor because it had to go on, on the global stage. So he wanted to check whether the grammar is okay or not. So he, he said that, four words in your poem is beautiful, but four words in your poem are grammatically incorrect. And he changed those words. So when he went to this conference and when he read out his poem, people like cheered and, you know, said wonderful, amazing. But they said that, you know, everything is perfect. Just these four words don't make sense. <laughs> <laughs> and that's when he realized that, you know, these four words have gone out of poetry and rationality kicked in. And that's why they, these four words don't fit in. You know? Right. So I think when it, it becomes, flow, it flows from the soul, it kind of becomes poetic in that sense. And it kind of, you know, then encompasses the meaning of, you know, the whole more than as compared to when it is coming from the rational mind. This is, this is my experience. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense to me. I'm just thinking about how potentially a work of art or poetry or a book could yeah. become very muddled when it's like bouncing back and forth between what is more poetic or more of a direct expression 
through that mm. channel and what is more based on the intellectual rational mind of mm. well you don't say something like that because of the rules of grammar or uh it might make it like a less pure form yeah. uh <laughs> and that's also a challenge that i am facing as i go through as i constantly have the sort of voice of the editor or some potential reader that's like that doesn't make sense so you gotta you know, take that sentence out it didn't make sense but it's yeah. maybe really because you weren't open to it or you uh mm. were looking at it only through the intellectual mind and if you were to stay with it or be open to it then it could sort of reveal something important to mm. you so mm. it actually is important for it to be that way that seems wrong at first mm. um I could, i've heard of art as like a bridge and uh, the bridge needs to be stable enough for people to to traverse the bridge to get to this other place but it also needs to take you to another place that uh, you didn't know was there before um, so it's like but it's this maybe subtle ability of creating the bridge that can take someone because if it's if it's too far away then the person might not even be open to it and they won't go there. But if it's like open just enough, but it still challenges you, then it will take you into this new perspective or understanding or feeling. Um, yeah. Like I think of music sometimes, some of my favorite songs are the ones that I didn't really like at first, but I had to, cause they were, they didn't, you know, automatically make sense to me. Yeah. But then I stay with them. And I'm like, Oh, this is like my favorite. And my favorite song on the album is this one. Um, but it's the one that I was like, eh, I don't know about that one at first. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it it also poses the question that you know how much <coughs> like is it is it okay is it okay to be grammatically incorrect or not? Because I feel that you know uh, that perfection grammatically becomes boring, and it 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 destroys the the creativity. And maybe it is okay to, you know, say some things uh, which are, uh, you know, which are out of place or which are, you know, th that don't make sense. You know, it's, I was just reading a book yesterday. Uh, I think the name of this book is uh, Divine Magic by P Patrick Dunn. So what he, he was explaining, he was kind of trying to explain that how would, you know, Greek philosophers would have con conversations. So so he was, he took these two characters who had peculiar names greek names and they were having a conversation and they suddenly started talking about albert einstein and i was like this doesn't make sense like mm. these greek philosophers they were supposed to live in the 3rd century or 4th century bc they are talking about albert einstein this is this is a flaw and immediately after that came a paragraph where he said where these two characters were talking to each other and they said, why are we talking about Albert Einstein? We were supposed to live in the third BC. <laughs> uh -huh. so the other person says, no, we are just fictional characters. <laughs> <laughs> we're not so, limited to that. Yeah, we are not limited to. So we are not. And he, he also talked about time that we can travel, you know, future and uh -huh. back. So it, it was kind of funny. Yeah. And I thought, wow, this is, this is just amazing. You know, now uh -huh. it, it, it factually doesn't make sense. But it's it's creative and poetic in that sense. Right. And it's beautiful. So sometimes I feel that grammar or you know being factually correct also limits our creativity. Totally. Mm -hmm. 
that, that's the way I've been trying to approach reading too, is when I notice feeling restricted by a particular like rule or something, it's like the rule doesn't matter at all. I mean, yeah. uh, it, it only matters until there's that example of someone who breaks the rule and it works. Uh, yeah. and, and there is that exception for everything. Uh, yeah, absolutely. This, this is so helpful, you know. Uh, I think I'm also uh, kind of preparing myself to start writing. <coughs> so this conversation is very interesting because sometimes I would also get those ideas, you know, I need to be factually correct. I need to, you know, these editors should like and this should happen. But sometimes I would feel like, just let's just write and not because it also becomes a kind of a blockage in writing you know right. you want to be so factually correct and all those things that you kind of you don't even complete the book or don't you know it doesn't flow out of you right but I thought, then eventually i thought let's just write and let it flow whatever comes out you know yeah not be so kind of restrict myself yeah it's nice to just sort of move into who cares yeah. uh, yeah uh, that's a just relieving thing to just say like yeah who cares yeah. just mm. just move into that or why am i even thinking of these hypothetical people uh and it makes me think of like back again to the the personality or living based on the rules of the personality versus creating something mm. just for the sake of right now you know as if as if you were going to die tomorrow and you just want to create this thing, you wouldn't be worried about what these hypothetical editors would yeah. be thinking about it or what maybe the readers would be thinking about it or how much money this is going to you know, bring to you. If you do it in a certain way or market it in a certain way, it would just be maybe solely focused on expressing directly from that channel. Yeah. It's beautiful and you how you tied into what we were discussing previously about death and that's beautiful. Yes, I think <coughs> uh, what I would conclude from this is the more kind of mindful we are when in, in writing or, you know, doing any sort of similar stuff, the more it kind of, uh, the more beauty it has to it rather than, you know, with our fears in our mind that, you know, I should be right factually or grammatically or whatever right. that is, yeah. Well, maybe along with that to finish, would you want to take like 30 seconds to sit and be aware of just being alive for that very brief sure. time? I would love that. Yeah. Sounds good. Well, I, I could just watch the clock and tell us when to start and end. So we can take 30 minutes to just be here starting I can now. Oh, sure. Okay, it's about 30 seconds. Well, thanks for this exploration and, uh, and I'll, be, I'll be taking this 
I think anytime that we can maybe remind each other of this thing of how fleeting, I mean, it's easy to intellectually think of how fleeting life is, but to actually remember it and feel it in any mm-hmm. way to share that with someone else or to have something that reminds you of it mm-hmm. uh, can hopefully like push you in the direction of being able to bodily remember it and yeah. then be a motivator to act on behalf of your soul and whatever it is that you're doing. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, one last thing uh, I would like to add to that is when it comes from within the way we do it, you know, here it is, it is kind of coming from within and the realization is more profound because it is something which is something realized deeply within us. But when it comes from an external source, when we are listening to someone else or reading something, then the realization is not that profound because it's an external source. It is not deeply realized or something which is within. So I think I, that's why I find these uh, conversations very, very you know, effective in that sense because it's a very deep realization and it stays for long. <laughs> hmm. Sounds good. I look forward to exploring with you next time. Same here. Bye. Thank you for joining us in the What Is Now experience. We hope that you liked the episode. If there were any insights or ideas arising for you as you were listening to our conversation, then you can share those ideas through your comments. We would love to know. Stay tuned for the next episode. Namaste.